you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. This morning I speak to us very quickly on what I've titled, Turning That Into This. Help you look at your neighbor and say to them, Turning That Into This. If you were in church last Sunday, you will know exactly where that is coming from. That is coming from Peter in Acts chapter 2, saying to them, after the words of Joel, and he said to them, this is that which was spoken. And I was using that last Sunday to show us the fact that God's word is reliable, is dependable, it may take long, it will come to pass. And I want to spend some time this morning to speak about how do I turn those things that are spoken in God's word into real experiences of my life. That's what I mean by turning that which was spoken into this which I experience. However, this morning, I will bring you my thoughts again in a disorganized manner. If you go to a, you go to, some of you go to real high-end restaurants. If you go to a real high-end restaurant, they would lay out your menu for you, beginning with some appetizer, um, your four spicer, then you would go into your main dish one, your main dish too, and then you'll be followed by some dessert after it, and then you'll get a coffee or something, and you'd have had a long list of things that have followed each other. But let me ask you a question. When those things enter your stomach, do they line up like that in your stomach? <laughs> when they get to your stomach, you know what happens? They all get mixed up. And then your body begins to, by itself, Put the comma and the dots where they belong. Say, okay, you, you are carbohydrate. Let's remove you. And you, you are protein. Let's, your, your stomach begins to do that delineation by itself. If you, if you go to grandma's house, grandma does not give you this, this. Just lays it out there. And then you begin to pick what you like yourself. So this morning, you are coming to grandma's house. And I'm just going to lay it out for you. And then you will order it like you like. And you will put it where you like. Um, I am doing the exact opposite of what I teach people to do with preaching God's word this morning. If I teach people to preach God's word, I talk about and lay it out in order, be logical. I'm going to be completely logical this morning. I'll just throw it all out to you. The way it lands in your stomach, it's all mixed up, and then your spirit will begin to put it all in order. As you begin to put it in order, you take control of it for yourself. Can I get a better amen to that this morning? And I'm intentional in my disorder this morning. I, and I want every one of you to, it, it'll make you be awake. Two weeks ago, I began to speak to us about having a different attitude to the word of God. We spent that week in Colossians 3, in verse 16, where the Bible teaches us to let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom. And we 
hopefully you were able to say to every one of us that a different approach to God's word is required. Where you are not somebody who just knows a little bit here and there. As a proficient child of God, you are full of God's word. That's the instruction of Colossians 3.16. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To the point where you begin to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. To the point where the word that you are full of begins to break out in a song within you. And we finished that Sunday and I said to everybody, read your Bible every day. Then we came back last Sunday and we were looking in 2 Peter 1 verse 19 where our focus was to say to us, this word is a more sure word. It's surer than any experience you may have. It's reliable. I was saying to us last Sunday, it may tarry. It may tarry. It may look like things are delayed. But I said, wait for it because it will not be late. And we were using examples and that's where we saw the example, for, exa we saw the example, for example, of, of Joel who said in Joel chapter 2, he said, and it will come to pass in that day that God said, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. It's not going to be some prophet coming from somewhere and everybody has to listen to that one as the only one who has the spirit. He said, it will come to pass that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. And I was saying to us that 750 years passed by where people did not see that. After prophet Joel, many, many more generations of prophets came. And nobody experienced where everybody in the, in the temple could just hear God. Only, it was still only the priests. It was still only the prophets that were hearing God. So that prophecy of I'll just pour out my spirit upon all flesh never came to pass. Until one day in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That word that was spoken 700 years ago suddenly came to pass. And everybody in the room. Bible says, and they heard the voice as of the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And the, and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them with like cloven tongues as of fire and sat upon each one of them. And they, all of them began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in the Spirit such that people from different places were hearing their hometown languages spoken by people that never learned it. And then Paul stood up in the middle of them and said, this is that which was spoken even before I was born, before you were born. And we were saying last week that the word of God is reliable. You can depend upon it. It may take time. It will come to pass. But somebody might be asking, Pastor, do I have to wait 700 years for it? Will it have to, I mean, the examples I've given here, 750 years, 700 years, generations after generations before Jesus is born. Is, is, do, I, do I have 700 years to wait? I want to introduce something to us, to everybody that has that question on your mind. There is something in scriptures called the time of the promise. Every promise of scripture has time assigned to it. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. And this is where I begin to just piece these things together for us this morning. In Acts chapter 7, everybody come with me to Acts chapter 7. This was Stephen. Stephen was just before he was going to be killed. He began to preach a very, very anointed message. A message that he went back through the history of the Jewish nation. 
And in Acts 7, verse 5, Acts chapter 7, verse 5, I want us to read this. I'm going to ask you to mark some things in your Bible because I'm teaching somebody this morning something about the concept of the time that is, a, that is attached to every promise of God's word. Acts chapter 7, if you found it, give me a good amen. Very good. Bible says, this is Stephen's talking here. And he said, and he gave unto him, that is to Abraham, non-inheritance in the land. God gave a promise to Abraham. He says, and Stephen said, when God gave the promise to Abraham, God didn't give Abraham any inheritance in the land. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Let, let me try to explain what is going on there a little bit. God called Abraham. And began to speak to him, beginning from leave your country, leave your kindred. And after he had obeyed God, there came a point, God came back again. And God said to him, um, lift up your eyes to the north, to the east, to the south, to the west. And all that your eyes can see, I'm going to give it to you. It's what God said to Abraham. It was a promise that God was giving Abraham. But Stephen is saying to us here, one thing God could have done was to, at least by some miracle or something, give Abraham at least maybe some hundred square meter land that belonged to him. And Abraham can say, okay, this God has made a down payment. He has at least given me this place. is now mine. And I can use that to believe that he will do what he said. But the Bible says here that when God spoke to Abraham and said, I'll give this all to you, God didn't even give him any, not even a place to step his foot on that would be his own. Remember when Jesus looked at the, at the ten lepers? And he, said, and he looked at them, and they were crying, have mercy on us, we're unclean, we're lepers, and all that. Jesus looked at them and said, okay, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, going to show yourself to the priest is something that people who are clean will do. And Jesus said to these people, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. What Jesus was doing was calling them, was calling them healed. But he didn't give them something to hold on to. If, if, if only he just called them and laid hands on them even if they were not yet healed at least they have something to hold on to am I talking to people this morning but many times when God is dealing with us God is a God that deals in the spiritual and many times he will give you nothing in the physical to hold on to so Stephen is saying here and he gave Abraham no inheritance no not so much as to set his foot on he says, yet he promised. Everybody say he promised. Oh, come on, shout it out loud. This morning, say he promised. I want you to in your Bible to mark, if, if, you, if, you, if you have a physical Bible, mark it out. When you're coming to church here, bring your pen, bring your yellow or whatever color of highlighter. If you have, a, if you have an electronic Bible, it's even better. You can highlight it, put it in a color, make it bold. I want you to make bold those words this morning. He promised in verse 5. He didn't give him anything physically to hold on to, yet he promised that he will give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when, and at that point that God was making that promise to him, the man didn't even have a seed, didn't even have a child. But all that he had at that point was a promise. Is there somebody in church this morning who has a promise of God? <laughs> I said, is there somebody this morning who has a promise of God? The first thing I'll say to you is this. If you have a promise of God, you don't need anything in addition to it. You don't need, if God was saying, I promise you, I'll give this land to you and to your seed after you. The man doesn't even have a child. And so the only thing, it sounds to me like in dealing with Abraham, God was trying to ensure that the promise was not polluted. 
that the promise was, was pure by itself alone. Why do I know what my future holds for me just because the Bible says it? The moment I have something else to lean on, the moment I have something else to lean on, I pollute the promise. There was nothing. All he had was this promise in his hand. That was in verse 5. As Stephen was speaking, come with me all the way to verse 17. Between verse 5 and verse 17, it's a long time. Generations passed. But in verse 17, in the discussion that Stephen is having, he then came to verse 17 and said this. He said, but when the time of the promise drew nigh. You notice I asked you in verse 5 to alight in your Bible, he promised. And I, and I want you in verse 17 to alight time of the promise. Which promise? The promise in verse 5. That, that means that promise in verse 5, when it was made, it had its time. So there are many things that were happening here and there, but it was not yet the time of the promise. But the Bible says there came a time. Stephen was teaching us here. It says there came a time when the time of the promise drew near. If I had time, I will teach more things about it. But let's just take it for this morning. Let it suffice that for every promise, there is a time of the promise. Can I get an amen to that? That's why the Bible teaches us. Matthew, no, Mark 13, verse 31. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. If you want to talk about durability, you want to say, you want to look for something to compare that something is durable, something is dependable. You can't use this pulpit here. You can't use the seats we sit on. It takes just a little bit of force to break them down. So in looking for what do we compare the durability of God's word to, Jesus then compared it to heaven and earth. He says, if you're looking for the comparison of durability, look for heaven and earth itself. I mean, that is the epitome of it is stable. And the Bible says, even that will pass away before my word will pass away. Come on, my friends. God's word is durable. Can I get a good amen to that? God's word is durable. And so, now, journey this morning, I'm trying to make you see, okay, we're saying um, put some attention to God's word. Let your heart be full of it. We're seeing from 2 Corinthians, oh, sorry, from 2 Peter last week, we're seeing that this thing, even if it stays and stays and stays, it will come to pass. It is durable. It is dependable. And then if I take you back again to 2 Peter chapter 1, remember I said we'll be all over the place. 2 Peter 1 verse 19 that we looked at last week. Everybody go there. Go there. I know we were there last week. 2 Peter 1 verse 19, it says, Peter was speaking here, he says, we have also, we, we, we dealt in this last week, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He says, whereunto you will do well to take heed. Then he said the next thing, he said, as unto a light that shines in a dark place. If you are lighting your Bible and marking your Bible, take that phrase there, a light that shines in a dark place. That's the word of God. It's a light that shines in a dark place. I'm presenting us 
God's word this morning in various forms. I'm presenting it to us as durable. I'm presenting it to us as it comes with this time. When the time of the promise comes, nothing can stop it. I'm presenting God's word to us this morning as a light that shines in a dark place. And this world is a dark place, my friends. But I'll say this to you as, as I'm pulling together our meal today, that you are better off, listen closely to this, you are better off with resident light when the darkness of this world comes at you. Mm. He said, Second Peter 1 verse 19, he said, this world is a light that shines in a dark place. And I'm saying to us, this world is dark. This world will show forth its darkness. It will show forth its darkness in all kinds of forms, all kinds of ways. It shows forth its darkness in, in, in children's lives, in adults, in men, in women. All around us is just dark. But I say to you that when the dark, you will, <laughs> as long as you live in this world, at some point or the other in your life, you will have to interface with the darkness of this world. But I say to you that you are better off with resident light before that darkness comes. Let, let me share a personal example with, with us just very briefly this morning. This last week, I, I had such a physical, all I can call it is a physical attack on my body that for, I'll say, about two and a half days of this past week, there was such depreciation of my physical body like I've never experienced. We're here on Saturday, and I was fine. There was nothing. We, we spent the time at the workers' retreat. I was here on Sunday, preached. was fine. Um, by Monday evening, the whole of Monday, in the course of the day, I could tell that I was not okay. By Monday evening, I was in a dark place. Now, now I, I've, I've known Jesus now for well over 30 years. And in those 30 years, I can perhaps point to maybe four or five times. I lie you not. In those 30 years, I can point to maybe four or five times where I have said, oh, I am sick. Oh, I need, I need help in my physical body. No. In those 30 years. But this week was one. By somewhere around, I'll say maybe like 8 p.m. or so, on Monday night, it was so bad. I asked them at home, I said, somebody get me some pain relief. I can't remember the last time that I was, that I was at that point. I was at a low point. Um, my, my daughter, who is 16, she said to me, I mean, she's 16 now. She said, I've never seen you ask for pain relief. I've never seen you take any medication. Never. But I was there. And then the night came, and everybody went to bed, of course. Everybody went to sleep. And I was there in a bad place. At that time, that night, I, I couldn't even pick the Bible to read. My head was as if I had four heads. I laid it on the pillow. It felt like the pillow was three times the size of the pillow. I don't know if anybody understands what I'm talking about here. All I could do throughout that night was look to the light inside of me. 
what was going on in my body that night, I'd, I knew it. I had the capacity that a terrible thing has started for the next months. <laughs> I had always said that if anything was going to start in my life, physically in my body, that I have angels that will come and minister to me. Many times in this last 30 years that I mentioned, there have been times when I'm tempted to be sick. And I always said to myself, if I can just get myself to my bed and just lay down on my bed and get some sleep, angels will come, they'll minister to me, I'll get up and I'll be fine. And that has been my testimony. That's been my story. The last time I remember anything that was going to look like this was, I think, four years ago. I was in Kuwait. I remember that Friday morning. I was in service, but before that service finished, I just could sense that my body wasn't okay, but I knew what to do. In that, I finished the service and greeted everybody, and I just went home. And I just, as I got home, I could not even get to my bed. I just laid on the sofa. I slept. When I woke up after three hours, the old sofa was wet, and I was fine. And I could tell, I knew in the course of my laying down there, it was like, like, like Jacob's experience where there were angels ascending and descending and they were ministering to him. But I tell you something, this last Monday night, no angels came. And I hardly slept through the night. But all through, the reason I'm telling you this story is this, all through that night, all I was doing was this. I was looking to the light within me. I was looking to the voice of God's word from within me. I couldn't read anything. I couldn't pray any prayer. All I was doing as I laid down there was looking for the light from within me. was looking for the light. I knew this was utter darkness that was seeking to lay its hands upon me. And I knew that unless I found resident light, am I talking to somebody this morning? That there was no room for me anymore to go look for light. There had better be resident light. <laughs> I uh, woke up that next morning knowing that I had broken the back of the devil. Can I get a good amen to that this morning? I said that to us this morning to let you see that when darkness comes, may it meet light at home in the name of Jesus. Who would I call? If I call you, what would you do? You just start crying. <laughs> Uh, John chapter 1, let's read this morning, everybody together. Because we see the, the word of God is the light that shines in a dark place. And this world we live in is a dark place. It's a dark place. John chapter 1, everybody, turn your Bibles in there. John chapter 1, verse 1. Remember I said to you that there may be no order to my discussion this morning, but somewhere in it, you will be fed in the name of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1, begin to listen to this. He said... In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. This word of God is a person, my friends. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It said, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him. When I read the scripture like this, I don't, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the word, we're talking about them together. It says, all things were made by him. Him who, him that was the word. All things are made by the word. And he says, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then in verse 4, he says, and in him was life. And that life was what? Come on, talk to me everybody. That life was what? The light of men. 
He says that life was a light of men. And we read in 2 Peter, that word of God is a light that is shining in a dark place. The darkness of this world seeks to overcome us. Light from within us overcomes it for us. That's what we're talking about this morning. Look at verse 5. I love it. He says, and that light shines in darkness. <laughs> That's why I'm saying that there must be resident light when darkness comes. He says that light shines in darkness and the darkness of this world can never... The word comprehend there is to overcome. He says the darkness of this world will never overcome the light that is coming from within you. <laughs> so, the summary up to now, that, 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 that was all, all of my introduction to this morning. The summary of all this is God's word is durable and self-fulfilling. I said God's word is durable and self-fulfilling. The summary of all this is that God's word is the light which overcomes the darkness of this world. It is the light that overcomes the darkness. And remember I said to us, one way or the other, as long as we live in this world, we interface with the darkness of this world. And the light, the Bible says very clear, and the light shines in darkness. And the darkness can never, never overcome the light of God's word. In him was life and that life was the light of men. It is a dangerous place for a child of God therefore to approach life with the darkness that is in this world without resident light. Does that make sense to you this morning? It's, it's, it's really I don't know what it is. If you're a child of God and you don't read your Bible, you have no contact with the word of God, you're not full of God's word, you are not paying attention to it like I've been asking us to pay attention to it, you don't know it for yourself, what exactly are you depending on when you have to face the darkness of this world? Because that light is the one that shines in the darkness. The darkness can never comprehend it. First John chapter 5, turn your Bibles there, let's read it. As I begin to get into my discussion this morning, I'll be finished very quickly, don't worry. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Let's look at this scripture together and then I'll, I'll make us make some confession together this morning. First John chapter 5 and in verse 4. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If you are born of God, you are a world overcomer. Oh, I thought everybody would appreciate that and give an amen to it. I said, if you are born of God, you are a world overcomer. And the Bible teaches us this morning, this is the victory that overcomes this world. There is no point in us just coming and preaching this Bible and just talking theories and the world keeps on overcoming us. The Bible says if you are born of God, you are a world overcomer. And the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. I want everybody to say with me this morning, I gave my life to Christ. Even if you have not given your life to Christ, as you say it right now, you are giving your life to Christ. Say with me, I gave my life to Jesus. I am born of God. This scripture is talking about me. Let's do it again. Say, I gave my life to Christ. I am born of God. This scripture is talking about me. I have the victory. Say that if you believe in say I have the victory that overcomes the world. 
We're going to continue, but let me just say this to somebody this morning. There may be things right now in your life that are overcoming you. They have no right to overcome you. If you are born of God, the side to be is on the overcoming side. You have the victory that overcomes the world. And so, I join my faith with you right now to challenge everything that is telling a lie that it can overcome you. The only way they can overcome you is if you lack light. If you have light, the light of God's word will always overshadow the darkness of this world. Can I get a good amen to that this morning? Continue to say with me, this world is evil. Say that last, this world is evil. This world is dark. This world will get even darker. But the victory that overcomes the world is my faith. Believe that this morning. It's dark out there. It's, it's evil out there. It gets worse out there. But the victory that overcomes the world is my faith. There is, you know, there are many things that Christians depend on. If I ask most of us in this service this morning, what's your confidence about your finances over the next 10 years until retirement? You will say to me, most likely, oh, God, I depend on God. But really, really inside, you are depending on your job. You are depending on your business. But if you, all you have to do is look at the world today. Just look at the world today. And all that needs to happen to your job is some crazy rich American buys your company and you lose your job. <laughs> that, that's all that needs to happen. It, 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 it shows you how very flimsy the things that men depend on can be. And that's why my message about the durability and dependability of God's word, where God comes to a man and says, I don't want you to lean on anything else. I just want you to lean on, I promise you. All that alone that I promised you is all I wanted to lean on. That the parts of a righteous man will shine brighter and brighter in every area of my life. I can only get better than where I am right now. How do I know that? Ah, because I live in Germany. Ah. Oh, because I, because whatever reason we can give is not enough. The darkness of this world can overcome anything else apart from the light of God's word. I hope you understood that this morning. Anything else that you are depending on, the darkness that is coming in this world is dark enough to overcome anything else that we depend on. Only the light of God's word shines in darkness that darkness cannot comprehend. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to Pastor Mo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.